Welcome to the Give and Go podcast, and I am your host, Kelton Brooks, and I'm here to give you the straight facts and opinions, and you just have to go with it. Now, a lot has been going on recently. Of course, we have the Olympics, where the USA basketball team finally had a real basketball game against Australia, who has six NBA players on their rosters, including Andrew Bogut, Patty Mills, and Matthew Della Vadova. USA won 98-88. Camilo Anthony hit 31 points and became the USA's Olympic team all-time leader scorer to surpass LeBron James. We have, of course, Simone Biles, Gabby Douglas, and Allie Raisman, who have been dominating the USA women's gymnastics team. And of course, Michael Phelps, who's part man, part dolphin, part shark, part whale, Aquaman, who's been dominating in the waters with his 20th gold medal. But I'm not here to talk the Olympics today. I am here to talk the Cleveland Browns. Yes, the Cleveland Browns. Specifically because I read an article by Jason Reed of The Undefeated. And the article was titled, Will He Prove Himself? Specifically talking about Robert Griffin III of, you know, will he become the quarterback that he used to be when he won the 2012 NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year? And from the Cleveland Browns standpoint alone, I feel like it will be difficult for, difficult for, Robert Griffin III to have a successful year simply because the culture around the Browns have been losing. But it's not like the Browns don't have pieces around Robert Griffin III to succeed but it, because he has a dominant left tackle in Joe Thomas to protect him. But somehow the Browns managed to give up 53 sacks last year, which was one away from the league worst, which was Tennessee Titans, who gave up 54 sacks last season. And he also has a, a dynamic running back. Well, I won't say dynamic, but a, a solid running back duo behind him in Duke Johnson and Isaiah Crowell. And the Cleveland Browns drafted one, two, three, four, five wide receivers in the draft, including Corey Coleman, who's been balling out in, in camp, according to all of the Browns reports. But, he's, but right now he's dealing with a hamstring injury that's holding him back. Now, Robert Griffin III, I, I, I do think he has somewhat, you know, tools around him to succeed this year. And, of course, last year he didn't play a single down. So, health-wise, I believe he is back up to par to revert back to his stellar rookie form. But the reason, one of the reasons why Robert Griffin, Robert Griffin III can be successful this year it's because of it's because of Hugh Jackson. I mean, Hugh Jackson have done wonders with the quarterbacks like Andy Dalton, of course, and and Joe Flacco. But Jackson told Reed something in an article that I want to read real fast, and he said, "RG three just needs to be in the right environment with the right people, and here is where it is." And of course, here he means in Cleveland because. You know, privately, Robert Griffin III have, has been saying that he didn't have the support that he had in Washington with basically Mike Shanahan and Jay Gruden, which he didn't. He, he was not supported whatsoever in Washington. So that, so that glowing endorsement by Jackson was a telltale of what the Browns can become this year. But my biggest fear is if Robert Griffin III and the Browns will have enough time to change the culture that is Cleveland, to change the losing culture 
of the Cleveland Browns who, who have had 25 different starting quarterbacks since the 1999 season. And RG3 is their 25th starting quarterback. And he only signed a two-year deal with the Cleveland Browns. So he has to perform right now. He has to perform this season. And he only signed a two-year deal. And, and that's the reason why he has to perform right now. Because if you haven't paid close attention to the Cleveland Browns, your head coach is Hugh Jackson. Again, quarterback is Robert Griffin III. Their offensive coordinator is Pep Hamilton, who is also the associate head coach. And their defensive coordinator is Ray Horton. And they also have four other African-American coaches on their staff. Now, your main quarter coordinating jobs on the Cleveland Browns roster are all here by African-Americans, which is unheard of in the National Football League. Now, we saw what happened to Lovey Smith in Chicago, who still deserves another year at his job. And, you know, if... If they don't come around and start to perform early, things might start to look funny in the light. And that proverbial leash will be short in Cleveland because of the amount of African-American coaches that they have on their staff. So they have to get this moving quick so they won't be booted out to position really, really fast, which tends to happen to African-American coaches. Now, back to RG3 of, of him having a successful season. I, I do think he can have a successful year simply because of Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson have, has done wonders with quarterbacks. Again, like I said, Joe Flacco and Andy Dalton. Now, can he turn RG3 around? I think he can. But the biggest question is, will he have enough time to turn it around? I like to give him go. Again, you're listening to the Give and Go podcast, and I am your host, Kelton Brooks. The premiere of Hard Knocks was Wednesday, which features the now Los Angeles Rams, and it had scenes of Nick Foles getting cut, wide receiver Deion Long getting cut because he had a girl in his room. Come on, man, get up, man, some slack. Of course, it talked about Todd Gurley, Tavon Austin, the center, backup center, Eric Cush, who was extremely hopped up off tank tops, and, of course, number one overall pick, Jared Goff. Now to talk more about that, I bring on Tevin Bronner to the show, who is a round blogger with Turf Show Times and previously with About.com. My man Tevin, what's up? Hey, I'm great, man. How you doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good, man. I appreciate you for, for jumping on the show. The first thing I want to ask you today, man, the premiere of Hard Knocks was yesterday, and Jeff Fifty Fifty Fisher was talking about how he doesn't want the Rams to go 7-9. to nine. Eight and eight, nine and seven, or, or ten and six. How realistic is that? Man, you know what? That kind of surprised me. I was with him when he said we're not going seven and nine. I was like, yes, finally. I was with him when he said eight and eight wasn't acceptable. I was like, yes, finally. Then he said nine wins, and I was like, uh. Then he said ten wins. I was like, man, come on. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> man, honestly. I would say the Rams are closer to a six-win team than an 11-win team just because of the move and all of the big-name guys leaving like James Hernandez and Chris Lowe. It feels good on paper to say that. If I was Jeff Fisher, I feel like the real reason that he's saying stuff like that is because he doesn't have his contract extension. 
So of course he's gonna be out there and wanting you know to get everybody behind his back. So if he does go eight and eight or nine and seven, then there's a good chance he'll get that extension. He really can't say, yeah, don't worry, you guys, we're gonna go six and ten or seven and nine. But yeah, man, I, I really, really don't see the Rams winning eleven games. It'd be nice. It'd be a great. It'd be a great. It'd be a great story. The Rams get to play hard knocks. They get to have their show on E. They move back to L.A. and then they win eleven games. But you know, this is the NFL. This isn't a storybook. It just doesn't happen like that. All right. Again, you're listening to the voice of. Kevin Browner, who's with the Turf Show Times. I know you recently talked about, well, you recently wrote about Tavon Austin, and when he would, when, they, when the Rams traded up to draft him with, with the number eight overall pick, I felt like they were drafting um, Dexter McCluster. But you, but you recently wrote and said it's just a breakout year for him. I, mean, is it, I know he scored 10 touchdowns last year, but is it possible for him to come more, become more than a gadget guy with Mike Groh coming over as the passing game coordinator? You know, I feel like there's a there's a good chance that he's going to break out this year. I mean, he basically has to. Like, it's been too long and he's done, you know, not that much. I feel like last year you could attribute it to the quarterbacks not being well, you know, catching passes from Nick Foles, catching passes from Case Keenum. The Rams were adamant about Tavon Austin becoming a starter outside receiver last year, which he, from what I've seen, he really didn't do much of. You know, when you see the highlights, all you see are those passes to Gurley. You know, those runs with Gurley. Those end arounds. That's really all you see of Tavon Austin. So I feel like this year, I feel like there's a chance that, you know, with Jared Goff or hopefully with Case Keenum having <laughs> having those starting reps in preseason, that Tavon Austin will finally develop to that type of player. I feel like, of course, he won't be a number one Traditionally, he probably won't have a thousand receiving yards. I could see 700, 800 receiving yards, 500, 600 rushing yards. If he did for his career, he might not be, you know, he might not be a top Des Bryant or anybody like that. But he'll be a, he'll be a good, solid receiver. Mm-hmm. I know you briefly mentioned Jared Goff. And, of course, he's the number one overall pick. The Rams traded up to select him in the draft. Do you actually think, I mean, he is the missing piece that could possibly get the Rams in the playoffs? I know you've already said you feel like they're closer to a six-win team than an 11-win team. But if he turns out to have somewhat of a Ben Roethlisberger type rookie season or Mark Sanchez, for that matter, do you think he is enough to get the Rams back into the playoffs? You know what? You make a good play by bringing up those two quarterbacks. When those two quarterbacks are rookies, you know, of course, right now we think of Big Ben as that guy who throws 5,000, 4,000 throwing passing yards to those great receivers. He didn't have that his rookie year. So, (laughs) so, you know, the thing that he has to come with those quarterbacks, he has those great, he has that great defense. He has a great running back behind him. But I feel like he has to. Let me see. I would say he need more, he needs to have a better year than both of those two. Mm-hmm. I would compare. He would have to be closer to Sam Bradford type of year, which of course it wasn't amazing, but it was rookie of the year honors. So he has to have those three thousand four five three thousand five hundred passing yards, maybe four thousand his rookie year. 
if the Rams want to have a shot. I mean, of course, he does have Todd Gurley behind him, so that's going to help out a lot if he ever does get the chance to play this year, which probably won't be week one from what Jeff Fisher is saying. We'll have to see. <laughs> we'll see how this first preseason game goes. But, yeah, he has to, he's going to have to do much more than Big Ben and the other top first-round picks if he's going to start and have the Rams sniffing the postseason. I would I know people don't like hearing this, but I would say he's much closer to Sam Bradford than he is Big Ben. Hmm. You know, he is coming from a, you know, he is coming from one of those spread offenses. He doesn't have that pedigree where, hey, I get by, I get understanding I snap the ball. You know, and I don't know if he had a chance to see Hard Knocks yet, but when you watch a Hard Knock, they they did show where he was getting snaps on the center. And he had to do he had to do it once, twice, three times, mm. four times before he finally got it right. So it's gonna be a transition for him and if he's gonna have a good year, it's gonna be a combination of a lot of things. That defense which is which isn't as great as it was in past years. He's gonna need Todd Gurley to have a better year than his rookie year. You know, that's if we want to sniff the playoffs. Mm. Okay, I know um, of course the Rams and the Cowboys, they meet on the first preseason game for both teams. Just for a last question here, give me a final season prediction and record for the Rams. Final season prediction. You know what? <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eight and eight. <laughs> you know it's gonna. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if they go eight and eight, it's gonna be the best season Jeff Fisher has had in a long time. Yes, sir. So. <laughs> It is sad, man. You know, it's, it's funny how Jeff Fisher keep getting all these passes, but yeah, I can see them realistically going eight and eight. And you know, it's a combination of things. It's James Harden and Chris Long leaving. Even though they weren't big time players, they were those guys who, you know, other teammates went to. They were those team captains. And you know, you replace them with. William Hayes, who was a great player, but now he's not going to be part-time. He's going to be a full-time player. You have Alec Ogletree, who was a great outside linebacker. Now he's going to middle linebacker. And then you have Janoris Jenkins leaving, who was a big-time cornerback the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, Even right now, nobody knows who that number two guy is going to be. And then, of course, with the Rams not having <laughs> any playmakers on offense besides Tavon Offense, besides Todd Gurley, not knowing who the starting quarterback is going to be week one. You know, if it's Case Keenum, yay. You know, we'll see what happens. You know, he he isn't going to light the world on fire. He isn't going to have a Ryan Fitzpatrick type of season. If it's Jared Goff, I mean, he's a rookie. What do you expect from a rookie who's coming from a spread offense who barely know how to take snaps on the center? So, 8-8 uh, eight eight would be a real success for the Rams. And if they go 8-8, eight Jeff Fisher might get that extension, or maybe Stan Kroenke says, hey, we have to go into a different direction. You know, 8-8 eight eight isn't going to work in L.A., which, I mean, I don't believe, but this <laughs> the Rams are the NFL's golden child right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the reason why they're on hard knocks. It's the reason why they're having their ease show right now. It's because, like I said, they're the cash guy. They're the new thing right now. So if they don't have a good season, I mean, it's going to be pressure on Stan Kroenke to – just change the front office. So they go eight eight this year. They go nine to seven. It'll be a success of my book, but maybe not towards maybe not towards Stan. All right. 
Again, you've been listening to the voice of Tevin Brunner, who's with the Turf Show Times. Man, I appreciate you for talking with me, man. Hey, thanks for inviting me, man. I like to get me go. Thanks to my man, Tevin Brunner, for joining the show. And Jeff Fisher going 8-8 and eight again? Wait, 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 wait. He ain't even going 8-8. Eight and eight. That's right. In his first four years, the Rams are 7-8-1, and 7-9, 6-10, and 7-9. And he ain't even going 8-8. Eight and eight. And Fisher going, I mean, Fisher getting an extension just for going 8-8? Eight eight? L.A. ain't having that. I like to give me go. Now, to return back to talking about quarterbacks, today is the one-year anniversary of when New York Jets quarterback Geno Smith was punched in the face by his former teammate Ike Incompali. And now, I hope I'm pronouncing that last name right. I'm probably not. But as you all remember, before Geno was punched in the face, he was the presumptive starting quarterback, but that broken jaw led him to miss part of the season. Therefore, in come Ryan Fitzpatrick, who made the, who took the Jets to a 10-6 season before imploding at the end. Now, he held out for a more lucrative contract extension, and he finally returned back to sign a one-year deal. Now, throughout that time, Geno Smith was, again, the presumptive starting quarterback. But, of course, again, Geno Smith was upset, and he was rightfully so upset because his starting position was taken away from him because he was punching the jaw. Now, he spoke with ESPN today on this anniversary of his broken jaw and delivered this particular quote. Every day... I'm pissed off until I get my job back. Until I'm a starting quarterback, I'm pissed off every day. That's my mentality. That's my competitive nature. I want to win so badly deep inside of me. I'm not pissed off at anyone, but I do believe I'm a starting quarterback in this league, and I believe I can do great things. Now, before we all pile on Gino once again, he has every right to be upset. I mean, wouldn't you be upset if a broken jaw caused you to basically lose, basically lose your career? Because last year when he was the presumptive starter and somewhat becoming the starter again in Ryan Fitzpatrick's absence, he felt that last year and this year was his final chance to audition to show NFL teams that he is a starting caliber quarterback. So I want to read one more quote from Smith, again, back to when he got punched in the face. When I look back on this, when I'm 40, 50 years old, I'll ask myself, what time in my life made me a man? I think this was the time in my life. It was so easy to say, hey, this is not your fault. I'm the victim here, and this guy should should be going to jail. Instead, I manned up, I owned it, I took responsibility for whatever actions I had in that altercation, and I chose to let that fuel me to become a better man and a better player. Now, I do agree with Gino's sentiments about him being upset. I'll be pissed off too if I lost my job because of that. But what I do not agree with is if I was to turn 40 or 50 years old, I'm not going to look back on a situation like that and say, hey, bro, you remember that time when I got punched in the face and got my jaw broke? Man, that sure made me a better player and a better man. Nah, dog, it don't work like that. You know, that's like if Friday had an alternate ending, if Craig hit Debo with that brick 
and Debo get up and saying, dog, I sure appreciate you for hitting me with that brick in my face. I know it broke my jaw, but it made me a better man and a better player. Pork his ass. That's what I'm talking about. That's my dog. Nah, that just makes you a man that got punched in the face and lost his starting job because of it. Dang, that's cold. So with that, I thank you for listening to the Give and Go podcast. You have heard what I had to give you, so now it's time for me to go.